Everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Uh, countdown to my book being released has started. It comes out April 10th, presale available March. Thank you, March 21st. It's called Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. And uh, my husband Daniel did the illustrations. It's not like a picture book, but it's not not a picture book. Well, it's words, and then there's it's essays, and then each one has a little illustration. I've wasted too much of my guests' time already. <laughs> is it a chapter book? <laughs> it, arguably, yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um. Hello, Ken Reed. Hello. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Uh, Ken is a comedian out of Boston. Mm-hmm. He hosts TV Guidance Counselor podcast, which Correct. I have been on, and it's a really well-conceived and well-executed podcast. Thank you. You own every TV guide between the years of what and what, or just Uh, all the years? Pretty much between like 65 and 2000. Although since I started doing the show, people send them to me, which is weird because they're like, oh, the premises you have all these TV guides have more. (laughs) Um, But now I have a lot of like 40s and 50s ones as well and a little bit older. But yeah, pretty much every issue in that time So you have multiple copies of every issue. Yeah. And... When you have a guest on, you have them what remind me. Do so you they, have they yeah. pick an issue and then they go through and write down what they would watch that week in prime time, so eight to ten o'clock each night. Then they hand me the guide, they have their list, we press record, and then we just go through the week. It's such a good idea. And you get such great guests, and I'm not just saying that because I was on. Well, you're one of the more popular episodes. Oh stop. <laughs> oh you. Um I'm distracted by your shirt. Oh, thank you. It, I feel like I'm staring at the opening credits of Saved by the Bell. Yeah, it's very Pee Wee's Playhouse, very Saved by the Bell. It's, I thought it was California appropriate. It it it, it is. <laughs> it's um it's like as California as a California snowman snow globe. Have you seen yes, those? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let me describe your shirt. It's pinkish salmon background, and it's got really bright green dinosaurs all over it. And then your sunglasses are those actual Ray Bans? No, they're Steve Madden's. I didn't know Steve Madden. <laughs> yeah. Steve Madden the shoes? Yeah. I almost all my shoes between the years that you have magazines were Steve Madden. So uncomfortable. Yeah, and they look I kept, good. They do. I kept buying them. I just buy all my clothing and accoutrement at Home Goods, Marshalls, and TJ Maxx. <laughs> so really? I actually, this shirt and these Steve Madden glasses were, were Get TJ Maxx. out and, of the trifecta, Home Goods, Marshalls, TJ. Are they all the same company? Same company, yeah. Which is your favorite? It depends on how depressed I am. Uh, <laughs> usually Home Goods is the one that I go to when I just want to feel something. Right. Because uh, it smells so nice. Mm-hmm. And I can like look at fancy furniture that I still can't afford, but is more attainable. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that really cool mid-century couch that would be ten grand is only $2,500 here, which I still can't afford, but I could maybe afford it and I can sit on it here. I didn't realize that Home Goods has stuff that's that expensive. Very rarely. They'll always, around the summer, have something super weird, like a giant outdoor like cocoon couch for like your <laughs> yard that's like 10 grand wow so and by the way you're not here to represent marshall's tj maxx and home goods no but 
I mean, let's see where let's see where things are by it's the end of the show. It's a Massachusetts company, by the way. <laughs> well, then maybe you are yeah. here. Too, right? Maybe you're <laughs> you're the unofficial ambassador. Okay, so Marshalls is that has clothes and like home crap, right? Yeah, Marshalls is like a, Marshalls is the gap to TJ Maxx's Old Navy. Ooh, okay. And then Home Goods is the wait. Don't tell me. Don't urban. Wait, what's the uh, Banana Republic? Mm, it doesn't have clothes though. So it's, well, it's right, but that's the it's highest. higher end. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's the Banana Republic quality, All right. but slightly different. Uh, I feel like Home Goods needs a better name. It sort of reminds yeah. me of in New York. I needed something for my computer, and I went to a store called TechServe. Yeah. And I remember someone asking where I got it, and I said TechServe, and they're like, "Yeah, but where did you get it?" I'm like TechServe. No, but what's the name of the store? TechServe. <laughs> it sounds because like it a, sounds like, like a, a help desk. Yeah, or like a robot tennis trainer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so let's go back to your uh, award-winning podcast. Yes. I have you won any awards? I have not won an award. I don't think I've been nominated for an award either. Okay, but still, yeah. it's of that caliber. How do you get all your? First of all, can you reveal who you're in town to interview? Because you come, you come to LA a couple times a year. Yeah, usually two or three times a year to bang out all your interviews. Yeah, so I'll do like, depending on how long I'm here, like ten to twenty episodes in a couple of weeks and bank them. That's crazy. I remember when I was on your show, it was like I don't know, late summer, and you're like, you're slated to run February eighth or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Well, I kind of do like a TV season almost because right, it, Boston. I I try and grab people when they come through town, but. Not that many people come through town, so I and I'm super paranoid about not having an episode. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, I can bank them. We're not talking about contemporary things, so it's okay if it sits in the can for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's yeah, it's usually an, and a good excuse to come out here. So I've done like I think ten episodes since I've been out here. Can you say who's been on? Uh, Ioni Sky. Wow, uh, what is she doing these days? She is married to Ben Lee, the singer who did. I she wish she left I was Adam from. Oh, yeah, they Boys got divorced uh, many years ago, yeah. probably. Um, but she's doing paintings and is doing a lot of writing and production stuff. Um, Annabeth Gish uh, <gasps> of X Files fame uh, in and Mystic also, Pizza, yeah, exactly. hiding out. Yep, Cat from Mystic Pizza. Uh, yes, right? Yeah, she's <sighs> awesome. She's doing a ton of stuff. Um, Alexandra Paul of Baywatch and Christine fame. Uh, Shadow Stevens. That was a good one. Shadow Stevens from, um, wait, did he do commercials for Federated? He did. Federated was where he got his big start, but he also was the announcer on like Kentucky Fried Movie and hosted American Top 40 and Hollywood Squares. Uh, and he was fascinating. His story was great. Uh, what else did I have on? Mark Wade, the comic book writer, uh, who kind of created the current DC universe. (laughs) Um, who else was there? There's a few other people I, I I can't remember at the moment. That's so cool. You get the coolest people. Thank um, you. <laughs> well, no one's gonna listen for me. So I'm, <laughs> honestly, I'm like, I have to get some reason. But just to listen. reveal some behind the scenes stuff, I think when against my better judgment to reveal behind the scenes stuff because this doesn't <laughs> reflect well on me. But when I got your because I get. Yeah, this whole thing's going to make me come off terribly. <laughs> and yet, here I go anyway. Go for it. I get asked to do a fair amount of podcasts. I bet, and yeah. I, d- I don't have time. These days, maybe I do have time. But there was a period of time where I didn't have time, especially when I was pregnant. Yeah. Um, and then you reached out to me. And, and I actually later said to you, like, your email, can I, like, your email is so well put together. Because oh, mine is always fired off on my iPhone when I'm, like, doing something in the middle of something else. It's like, hey, would, would you want to come on my podcast, by the way? Like, I, you know, if you want the spiel, let me know. It's so, yeah. ha- it's so half-assed. Um, and yours is so well put together. And then, 
and and you have links. You've gotten a ton of press. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. It's awesome, but and then you you mention all all the guests that you have had on, and I was thinking about it, and I think what compels. I'm going to go ahead and say people to want to do the show. I mean, first of all, it sounds like a really fun idea, but it's not just that there's a ton of big names. It's that they're really cool big names. So I think that the the junior high schooler in me (laughs) is like, I want to be part of that cool group. Yeah. You had someone from the Donna's on your show. Right. It's people that like don't do a lot of podcast stuff, right. which part, partly because it's people that I just, some of them I just knew from when I was in bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, especially the musicians, people never ask them about come talk about television. Right. <laughs> Cause why would you, I guess on the surface. So a lot of them are like, cool. I don't have to just have the same garbage that I talk about on everything. So I get right. lucky with that thing too. But that that absolutely like there's certain guests that I've been able to have on that people see and then they're like, oh I'll do this. Mm-hmm. Um who were the who are those do you think? Uh Ted Danson probably uh like Elvira's a big one. Uh-huh. Um The Damned. That's got right. <laughs> um and then like Kamel and like some of the comics and stuff like that. But I think part of it also is that they're like, oh those I know those people who they are and they're they haven't been murdered. So this is probably okay. Right. Um, I wasn't murdered. No, you were not murdered. Uh, Rose McGowan is one, weirdly, that people are like, oh, wow, how'd you get her on there? Did you have her before or after Shaved Head? Uh, After Shaved Head. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What was she like? Very intense. Very nice. Uh, Likes me, but is like, you never know if she's going to laugh at what you say or just like punch you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because she's really intense. But it was fun. You know, it was interesting and fun. Um, And it was was right before all this stuff hit. But she talked about all that stuff on my show. Oh, that's so cool. um, Which was because she's just really honest and just kind of out there. Uh, So wait, have you been like, I got the scoop? Well, no, I got the opposite where people were emailing me being like, why didn't you tell everybody? And I'm like, I put it out. What do you want me to do? Like, I'm just some dude. Right. Um, so I, I was getting a lot of that because I think people were – she hadn't done, like, a ton of interviews. So I think people were just Googling, and mm. that was, like, one of the first things that popped up. So I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> getting a lot of, like, angry messages. Angry messages from – From people who were like, why have you put on this, like, hateful liar on your shit? Like, just garbage oh, like, idiots. Oh, and then, haters. Yeah, and then also people who were like, you should have really gone to the media. Or something. I'm like, I put it, I released it. I, right. That's all I can really do. Yeah. I didn't suppress it. I didn't buy it. I'm what not kind of stuff player. was she saying? It was a lot of just like, I don't have time for these like asshole dudes who are, you know, uh, have like some stupid mommy issue and right. want me to do this movie or like, yeah, I went in there and told them to pay me this because like, fuck you. Like that. Sorry, can I swear? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, And that kind of stuff. Like right. just very like, and I'm doing all these great things and I don't need these people anymore mm-hmm. and that that kind of stuff. Was she naming names? Oh yeah. <laughs> I gotta go listen to this. Yeah, it's a Why fun didn't one. you tell me? I know, Why I should have told put you. It out? I sent out a written invitation to everyone. <laughs> Why didn't I get an evite? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you 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 replied to the Facebook invite. I did. You were okay, interested. good. Yeah. Uh which is more rude? Declining an invitation or just not responding at all? But when it's like a evite or a Facebook thing. Oh. Um I guess not responding at all because then they don't even acknowledge you. Yeah. I always think of it as like if you asked someone out to their face and they just turned around and walked away. Right. Versus being like, oh, no, sorry. Yeah. For some reason, writing no just feels so curt. Yeah. That I often don't respond 
which is not cool either. Having now been on the other end of it, like where I have thrown a party for my one year old, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did, you know, like every day look to see if people had coming. responded. Yeah. yeah. But I, I never know. like any Facebook, like I've done shows and then like no one shows up and people are like, I understand we had like 30 yeses on Facebook. I'm like, those don't count. Right. Those are like the toaster dial darkness thing. Like it's just like <laughs> they make everyone feel better. <laughs> and then it's just like, you can't rely on that. Wait, does the toaster dial not work at all? I've never found it to work. Is it like an open close button on an elevator? I think I think it's a toaster placebo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's to keep the person who's waiting for their toast calm. Yeah. The, so my my favorite rejection I ever got from asking a guest to be on the show. And normally if I if I have to go through someone's like management or something, I just never hear from them. Mm-hmm. Um but this one it was uh it was uh um Albert Brooks's manager Herb. And he wrote back and said, uh, this won't happen. Herb. <laughs> it was just the whole, that was the whole thing. Wow. But it was great. Like it was almost better than doing it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, should I name names or not, Jeff? I think it depends on who the names are. <laughs> they are. It's the one I've told you about it. It's the person that I wanted to have on the show and his publicist said, um, oh fuck. What was it? It was like, um, we're going to pass, you know, th- I don't even, Oh, I, I get I that a lot from publicists. It was like a, thanks for checking, but we're going to, ha- we're going to pass. It was just a, we're going to pass. I'll write down the name. I think you know, I know who it is. <laughs> Almost yeah. all publicists. That's what I get. Are like, they're not available or like, they're not going to be doing this. Right. Like, I get that a lot. Yeah. Should I not say it? Nah. I mean, what, what can is I it? see it? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you can read my writing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, this is, a little is a couple years ago. Yeah. So it was like, I'm doing you a fucking favor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's very odd. I can't believe I'm not going to name names. So I was like, I can't believe someone of your not that big stature is deciding to pass. It's the opposite of, do you know who I am? It's yeah. like, no, I know exactly who <laughs> yeah, you are. Exactly. <laughs> Only I do. <laughs> I think that th- this person maybe doesn't do a lot of super confessional interviews. Yeah. Um, and then for a while, I could not appreciate this person's art because I was so, I was just like, if I, the best rejection, who was it who I got a reject? Well, I'm, again, I'm not naming it, but I got. It feels like, like a personal slight when it's your yes, show, like this kind of show. But I got like the best rejection from the manager of someone who wrote back like, hey, um, you know, I know exactly who you are. I represent so-and-so who just did blah, blah, blah. I'm so sorry. She can't you know she she isn't doing podcasts right now she did do so and so and so and so's podcast because they're friends but like she's working on something else but could i interest you in these but i was like i feel like i just got a massage my ego just got a massage it felt so good as opposed to the like we're gonna pass which is a yeah it does feel like a personal like you don't merit anything i got the best longest um replies from i think it was bent midler's uh manager and um uh Barbara Streisand's manager. Wow. And oh and Janet Jackson's manager. Like they were I want them all to have the same manager. They were the same manager. It's Herb. Uh <laughs> but it was just so like, oh, I listened to an episode and it was what a great concept. This is so fun. I watched this and they are not available, but you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. And I'm like, that's but I think part of that is they're probably really old school mm-hmm. uh like Hollywood agent or PR people right. where they're like, don't piss anyone off. Yes. Like, just be nice and say no. And I feel like some of the younger people, which is probably who we're getting those rejections from are just like mean girls from school who are like, uh, no, yeah. 
And like, <laughs> okay. Um, they're gonna pass. <laughs> I think you're. I prefer the old school way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is there? Someone who was like your biggest get, or that you were most excited about? Um, Cassandra Peterson was big. It was Elvira? That was oh, huge. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but uh, one of my and I don't want to call her this because it, it's not I'm calling her this, but one of my sort of white whales, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say my holy grail, sure. um, is Bonnie Hunt, and I have her scheduled for this trip, and I love her so much. Um, the Damned was huge for me, huge for me. Um, yeah, there was no one. I have a weird. Who, who thing. of the Damned did you get? I got Dave and Captain Sensible, mm-hmm. and uh, Captain mm-hmm. Sensible. <laughs> is like a and this is sort of a compliment a 60 year old 12 year old <laughs> and he was like oh fuck i hate tv I don't know. and i was like well that's the angle we'll talk about that and they're like dave never does interviews which he never does right he's really aloof like you can't talk to dave so i i go to the show and i felt I, this is probably horrible to say but i felt like a make-a-wish kid because like <laughs> I, I i when i was in bands i knew the woman who's their manager now mm-hmm. so she was like yeah just come down to the show and i got like to sit on the stage and watch the show <laughs> and they did uh nasty from the young ones which they never play and uh they were very nice and so i'm interviewing captain sensible and uh we're like less than 10 minutes into the interview and from stage he had made references to a bunch of tv shows like the prisoner and all these 70s sci-fi shows so i was like you know you said you don't watch tv but you reference these shows so did you watch them and he goes uh terminating the interview and just like storms out Wow. So because of me, I felt like I am the worst person on yeah. earth. Like, what did I do wrong? I can't use this. And so I was kind of just standing there dejected. And Davanian, who people don't know the damn, like dresses immaculately. And he came off stage in like this three-piece suit and top coat, <laughs> went into the bathroom and came out wearing a different suit. Like his like <laughs> chilling, hanging out uh-huh. suit. And so he's just sitting there drinking some wine. And I was like, I'll just ask him. And uh, oh, and Captain Sensible was like, Dave won't have time. He's probably putting on makeup or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Dave, can I talk to you about old TV? He's like, yeah. And we talked for like an hour about Hammer Horror movies. And he talked about his dad and how people thought his dad was a vampire <laughs> and just this crazy stuff. And then he'd like, he'll like randomly email me and be like, have you gotten the new Dr. Fribes Blu ray? <laughs> I'm like, I what love an that awesome guy. An accent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so wait, so he was just joking when he said terminate the interview? He just no, to- I don't think so. He like stormed out. I think he was bored. I think he was just bored. And then he changed his mind later, or he thought it, he's, or was he like, it's so weird. Someone else was asking me about TV no, just yeah, twenty minutes. Sensible ago. never came back. And so, oh, oh, wait, it was Sensible. Who did yeah, that. Sensible stormed oh. out. And I interviewed Dave. Yeah, so I ended up getting like an hour with Vanian. I thought it was Dave Vanian who. No, out. no, he was okay. as nice as could be. He was like somebody's cool dad. Gotcha. That makes so much more sense than yeah. the way than the way I first heard the story. I may have explained it incorrectly. You're too nice, <laughs> and that's a vibe I'm getting. Not no, actually, it's not a vibe. I'm not getting that vibe. That is something I pieced together f- from what you just said when you said because I'm me. Um, are you? What are you like? People pleasy, codependent. Um, I'm not codependent, although my family all was. Um, I, I, I guess I'm a little people pleasy, but I'm also the kind of person to be like, fuck off. Like, I just <laughs> like, if I, if I've tried, mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, I was being nice. And, and this might just be Boston. <laughs> I'm like, what, what the fuck? Like I will not as much as I've gotten older, right? but I, I sort of, um, 
operate under the edict that people should be better off for having known you. Mm -hmm. And there's no real reason to be a dickhead unless someone is like deserving of it, unless it's like revenge or something, unless you're like regulating them or something, you know? Right. Um, So especially if it's someone who I'm interviewing, like on that context, I'm like, they're doing me a favor. Like they're giving me any of their time, which is, crazy like why on earth would they bother to talk to me mm. and i'm also like i'm just some idiot from boston like there's no <laughs> reason that anyone would talk to me so i i tend to internalize it if something goes wrong like mm. what did i do wrong like do you internalize in all areas of your life though oh yeah yeah i mean i'm a stand-up <laughs> <laughs> it's very much uh, uh, it's less bad now but most of it is like oh i'm the worst like mm-hmm. what did i do wrong like just an just an endless feeling of uh, I fucked something up really bad, even if I didn't, or yeah. like a like a generalized guilt for no mm-hmm. reason. Where do you think that comes from? Because I I was listening to your album, which came out in two thousand sixteen, the yeah. Vanity Vanity Project. Vanity Project. Yeah. Um, and you're talking a bit about your dad. Yep. And you you say that you had a pretty rough childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was? Do you think that's where this is from? Oh yeah, I mean I think some of it's chemical and some of it's it's um nurture. But like yeah, my parents were like very blue collar. My dad was like a navy guy. My mother never left the town she grew up in, mm-hmm. and uh, was in like a horrible household with nine kids and really drunk, angry parents all the time. <laughs> so I was just like a weird anomaly. Like I. Was never interested in that stuff. I just read all the time. Wait, your mom was one of nine kids, or you were? My mom was. Okay. So there's two of us in my family. Mm-hmm. My sister since passed away, but um, and my dad had like one full sibling and a bunch of step siblings, and his mother was nuts, and my mother's mother was nuts, mm-hmm. and uh, so I I just like didn't participate. Like I would get. This would sum it up well. I was babysat at bars often. Mm. Your uncle's bartender will just drop you off there, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> right. uh, and so I saw a lot of bar fights. But um, I was a very, very good kid. I watched a ton of TV. I could amuse myself, and I didn't get in any trouble. Mm. But I, I just don't think they understood any of my interests or just thought I was a, like a weirdo. Right. And my younger sister was the kind of kid that like – they would give her a beer at Christmas when she's four and think it's hilarious. You know, I, mean? I have pictures of her chugging, like all my uncles and my whole extended family. Gotcha. Um, like I have pictures of her. I think it's Christmas, like 85, and she's sitting on this cooler just chugging beers in like a footsie pajamas. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's so funny. Or they'll be like, teach her to swear, like that kind of stuff. Right. And she was like, this is so cool. And I would just be like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Um, and my whole family had like a real like, think you better than us kind of thing do you, um, do you have to have that if you're from boston i think so yeah okay i always joke that boston you would think doesn't have enough shoulders for all the chips but uh people <laughs> are happy to take on multiples yeah. um it's so interesting i have never been to boston but it's so interesting the way that does um seem to be the like just flow through the town yeah I, part I of it that is. Uh, part of it is it sort of adapted the weird provincial I call it artisanal xenophobia, but um, <laughs> uh, that weird provincial, like, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, but fr- from Ireland and Italy, mm. uh, where a lot of the immigrants came from that are like eighth generation. But some of it is that there's an inferiority complex for New York, right. um, which I always say the Boston New York rivalry is like if I have a rivalry with George Clooney. <laughs> like, he just has no idea. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah. oh, Clooney. <laughs> um, and then it also is 30% of our population is students. Mm. So, 
every summer, 30% of the population's gone. And the sort of locals have this weird codependent love hate with the students because it's so much of the economy. Right. But they're like, oh, they're interlopers coming in here, think they're whatever. And it, so you have this really, and Boston has the most colleges. So it's like this really weird highbrow intellectual place mm-hmm. while still being this incredibly insulated blue collar um old-fashioned in a bad way play or sometimes right. in a good way so it's this very odd mixture of uh anger and it's cold <laughs> <laughs> and expensive and you still live there right yeah i don't know why why <laughs> well i mean i my family was so chaotic i was the only one to college like I bought a house, like I did everything, like I'm not going to be homeless. Mm. <laughs> and so now I've like weirdly painted myself a little bit into a corner where I'm very happy with my house and my lifestyle. Like I, my day job pays me way too much. What? I didn't know you have a day job. Yeah. I, I'm a compliance and fraud and abuse officer for a Medicaid company. <laughs> okay. Let me process that. <laughs> Both just emotionally and yeah. – in terms of what that actually means. So what was it? You're a compliance and a, and fraud fraud and abuse investigation for Medicaid. So yeah. that would be like someone frauding or defrauding Medicaid. Yeah. You give me an example of like what you look into doctors, um, writing doctors selling drugs or doctors uh, billing for services that never happened. Okay. I, so you're, you're not, um, investigating patients. You're investigating doctors. No. And there's very little patient fraud, mm-hmm. um, which you would not know if you ever listened to a Republican talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. When you think about it, how would a patient even go about doing that? Because they're not the one filing there. Well, let's get into the yeah. weeds of insurance. Yeah. They're not the ones filing the claims, are they? No, they do like, they'll do like doctor shopping for drugs. Right. That happens a lot. Right. Like, you know, we had a woman who, and I felt horrible for this woman because her boyfriend was probably forcing her to do this, but she would burn herself and go to like eight different ERs in a day to get like pain meds. Oh my God. It's like that kind of stuff. So you look for like weird, like why does this person have eight different prescriptions? Like that kind of stuff. Um, And just making sure that like everything is following the contracts and stuff like that. And I fell into that job. So is that a, hi, hi, dumb question alert. We don't have an alert for that. We just have an alert for my, me doing a bad accent, which I feel like we need to hear. We'll just let it, we'll just let it be my dumb question alert. Yeah. Horrendous accent alert. Okay. So does that mean you work for the government? Um, when Medicaid is government, Indirectly, right? yeah. Okay. Medicaid is government. Medicaid is for – it's state-run but partly federally funded. Mm-hmm. And it's for, yeah, poor people, low-income and no-income people, uh, which I kind of like because I'm like, well, if I have to have a day job, at least it's helping yeah. people and I'm not selling them something they don't need. I was, I guess I was thinking of medic. What is it that you get when you're over 65? Medicare. Medicare. And that's, that's federal. You can get Medicare if you're – under 65 if you're disabled. So Why don't they change the names a little more? I, they should. Yeah. <laughs> Medicaid is based on income, let's gotcha. say. Medicare is based on age or disability. I so see. you can actually have both. Okay. So you... Okay. So that's your day job. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Um, I don't... I'm, I'm sort of like, you need to make money. Mm-hmm. And I don't hate it. Like I work from home and like my oh, boss is nice. really cool and they know I do this stuff. So they're like, yeah, whatever. Um, and it it affords me a level of comfort where like I can turn stuff down and I don't have to play people's 50th wedding anniversary to do stand up or mm-hmm. they don't like come do this corporate gig and make fun of the boss, but not too much. Like <laughs> I could say no to that stuff. Um, but yeah, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, if I have to work a day job, that it, 
there's worse jobs I could have. How? I don't know how much you can talk about this. Um, but like, how do you go about investigating to bust someone? Um, there's a lot of different ways. You mostly start by like mining data. So you look for like inconsistencies or like weird anomalies. And then you, you just keep compiling that till you have enough to build a case. Mm -hmm. And then you turn it over to the attorney general <laughs> of the state. And is it like, are there programs that can sort of go through the data for you? Or are you like yourself looking into a bunch of different stuff sometimes there is there's stuff that'll pull up anomalies but you also look at like random claims so like um you know i remember i found a claim once for a guy that had gotten he got three flu shots so i thought that was weird mm -hmm. so i looked at his medical history and a week before one of the flu shots he was uh at an er for being shot in the head and then i said oh that's weird and then i looked and found that he was dead <laughs> and i was like oh you got two of these flu shots after he died and that's strange so like you just kind of follow like we like weird right. patterns and it's which i kind of like like i always loved detective stuff and when i was like 20 i went to a night school on how to be a private detective because i was reading way too many uh raymond chandler books and uh i gotta say yeah. that first flu shot didn't help him at all no well i mean he may have been flu free <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so okay so in that case the doctor who billed you for those two flu shots was just making that up in order to get what an extra 30 dollars or something yeah yeah it you would be surprised. So is, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you'd be surprised. These people have gone to school for, and I'm not saying all doctors do this, but like right. you went to school with all this schooling to be a drug dealer. Like that's what you're doing. And some yeah. of them have like gambling problems or their own drug problem mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. But some of them are just, there are doctors who are like, fuck these people. Pff, who cares? They these people let, being Medicaid? Yeah. They're just like, they shouldn't let me get away with it. Yeah. You paid it. Wait. And so they're just is in in general is it just tacking on little things here and there? Sometimes, um, like we had a hospital group that I won't name. A lot of it's them finding loopholes. Like they hire these consultants that tell them how to maximize their profit, and right. sometimes it's not legal. Uh, and they they kind of push the boundary as far as they can. So we had one uh, company that was billing. Um, this I don't know if this is interesting. I'm so sorry. No, I, I'm uh, interested okay. by it, and that, <clears throat> um, that's all that yeah, matters. <laughs> we had one company that was billing like when you give birth, you have uh, anesthesiologist with you, and anesthesiologists get paid more than any other mm -hmm. doctor on earth. But most of the time, you're in labor for let's say you're in labor for 12 hours. The anesthesiologist isn't there for the whole 12 hours. They set up the anesthesia, and then they have like an intern monitor mm -hmm. it. So they'll bill for like their rate, which is huge for like the first hour, and then they'll they should bill the like person monitoring it, which is like 10 percent of that for the rest of the time but they weren't doing it they were billing like 18 hours of this anesthesiologist who was getting paid individually more than the entire cost of everything else right so we said to them hey that maybe that's medically necessary even though you do it on every single one yeah. um just send us the medical records so we can review it so they said sure no problem and then they went oh we actually instituted a new program where we automatically give an aids test on birth so it seals the records uh what? so you need to get a you need to get a release from the member if you want to look at those and then they don't look they're never going to sign that thing yeah. just because you send them and they don't look at it so it was like they have weird shady right. things like that which not illegal right but kind of that's where we go into the abuse category yeah yeah the whole doctor insurance company 
Med- Medicaid's not an insurance company, though. No, Medicaid basically is a funding vessel. Right. But that, that whole thing rules. of like how doctors get paid this, at this point is so... Now I'm confused. It's a mess. It's, it's a mess. It's a total mess. My yeah. dad's a doctor. He's retired. He retired a long time ago. But at the time he retired, he had like tacked up on his desk um, a check for six cents yeah. <laughs> from like an insurance company. And he said that it just became... He didn't... He was he hated the direction that he saw medicine was going and the direction he saw medicine going was that doctors were billing for unnecessary stuff and arguably doing unnecessary stuff because it is the only way they could get paid. Right. Although we've started a new a new model in Massachusetts because the ACA Obamacare stuff right. is actually based on Massachusetts. And so we're kind of an innovator, which is exciting. Um, and if Trump didn't get elected, this would have been the model nationally, um, but called an ACO, which is called an accountable care organization. Mm-hmm. And the model is that as a doctor, you don't get paid for everything you do. You get paid a monthly fee for your members and you also have to keep them a certain level of healthy. And so with that monthly fee, if you want to do a thousand tests, you can do that. If you want to do one that they need, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they have to sort of maximize the value for the care right? and they provide better care because they're not incentivized to just do anything, everything they can to get yeah. like incremental sense, right. um, which I think is a much better model, uh, but is obviously not um, the preferred model for some people. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so, okay. I will take 20 more seconds to talk about this. And we're moving on <laughs> okay, to TV sure, and yeah. punk rock and all of that stuff. Um, I just had, had some dental work done, which was miserable. And they had to take x-rays, but I had just had x-rays at a different dentist a couple months before. You had and the they full said, x-ray and you couldn't get it again? <sighs> oh, Yes, it was not going to be covered. Yeah. But but this guy said that they they had to do their own X-rays because they didn't want to work off a copy of X-rays, which is fine. Um, I get that. I don't want them to be using X-rays that maybe are, are there's some problem with. However, a little bit, I'm like, or are you just doing your own X? Oh wait, no. Are you, well, what I was going to say is, or are you just doing your own X-rays because you can get paid for it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're not getting paid by insurance. They're getting paid by me. Well, they don't for care. it, right? Yeah. So that. <laughs> Yeah, there's always stuff that I'm like, how? how?" Anyway, okay, back to you and your childhood. Well, so what happened to your sister? She actually got childhood cancer when she was 10. Mm. She got osteosarcoma, which is like a bone cancer, Uh, but survived that, um, had an allograft, which is like a 28-hour surgery to actually graft a cadaver's femur bone in your body. Uh, Had that three times. Did she have to have her leg amputated? No, she should have, though. Um, And her and my mother got like, went nuts and like saw her leg as like this weird symbol of beating cancer. And if she got Mm -hmm. it, you know, so that led to like a bunch of medical complications and she developed a heroin problem and then drank herself to death. Oh, wow. (laughs) In Texas. Wow. How old was she? 27. But she did beat the cancer. Yeah. The cancer never came back, but she had so many medical complications from like all these surgeries, like a knee replacement. And then she was party and someone threw her into a pool and the bone shattered. And she eventually had to get like a, a so she had to get her, her own femur taken out. Is that what happened? Because there was cancer in it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. put a cadaver femur in. Right. And like they did that surgery three times. Wow. How old was she when she had the surgery? 10 the first time. Mm -hmm. And the doctors were like, we're not, we don't want to do this again. Like it's not a, my mother like insisted and she was getting all kinds of infections and obviously massive amounts of pain so had all right. kinds of opiate issues yeah and yeah 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 it was it was a nightmare mm-hmm. and then for how long was she a heroin addict 
Probably five or six years, I think. Were you close with her during this time? Not at all. Like we weren't close at all, oh. generally. How, um, what's the age difference? Three years. Um, but I also wasn't very close to my parents. Um, yeah, I the worst the worst incident was I we went to my mother's house on Christmas Eve, which I was like I didn't really talk to her very much, but we'd like kind of go on holidays. And my sister called a drug dealer over. And I was just like, no fucking way. <laughs> I went outside. And this kid looked like he was in Fall Out Boy or something. He's like a little <laughs> Um And I just – my wife was appalled by this. But I was just like – I he rolled down the window. I'm like, yeah, she's not coming out. And he said something to me that it pissed me off. And this will make me sound like a psycho. And I uh, I took his keys out of his ignition and grabbed his hand. And I was like, I'm going to break your fingers now. And the kid was like, what? And I'm like – I'm going to break all your fingers now and then you're going to go away. And I did. And then he go, and then he went away. Um, and I was like, well, what's he going to do? Call the police. Wow. Um, but then I was like, I'm not hanging out with my family because <laughs> they do these awful things. Yeah. There's a lot cool. to unpack in that. Story. I know. So it doesn't reflect on me. Well, no, it shows a, shows a passion. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, how did you know how to break all his fingers? I, oh, I did martial arts for years. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause I used to get the shit kicked out of me as a kid, probably rightfully so. Uh, you know, just for reading. Um, yeah. What are you doing? Being, be, what, you think yeah. you're smarter than everyone? Yeah. It's recess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there was that. And then just being in punk rock fans forever, like we would get skinhead dudes trying to beat the shit out of us. All the and time. then also, how do and I feel like this is gonna make me cringe. How do you break all someone's all their fingers? Like oh, it's his easy. thumb too. Thumb, thumb. No, I left the thumb. That's, uh, see, that's mercy. Yeah, I gave him a little, but also very difficult. But you can just snap them. <gasps> just snap them back. Did yeah. you do one by one? Or- oh yeah. Ah, <laughs> that's easiest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have to. Not something I've ever done before or since. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Was he like yelling? I don't remember. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. <sighs> Got that taken care of. <laughs> now. Um. This was like fifteen years ago. Okay. Yeah. It was an angry twenty something. And the other question: You saw her college, like, how did you witness this whole thing going? Because she was just fucked up, and she was like. Just like, uh, and then I heard her call this dude, and she was like, "What's going on? Anything happening?" Or like, whatever weird drug lingo. Uh, I don't. I should mention, I've never done. I have no idea how I would have. Oh right, drugs. have you ever had a drink? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're straight edge. I, I guess by de facto, right? Um, but like, I like if someone. I always joke if someone was like, "We'll give you a million dollars. You have forty eight hours to purchase a drug, and it could even be a legal drug, uh-huh. like marijuana in California." I would be like, "I have no idea. Just I forfeit." I don't even know how to do that. Um, So, but I was like, kind of like, all right, I think she's, and then I knew this kid. He was like the younger brother of someone I went to high school with. So I think through the grip, I had heard that he was like dealing drugs. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was like, I'm just going to go out and tell this kid to fuck off. And he was just such a shit about it that I was just like, oh, (laughs) now I have to break your fingers. And your wife did not appreciate that. you. Oh God, no. What yeah. was her reaction? She was like, that's horrifying. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and also, like, I just, like, my family would constantly pull me down into this, like, awful abyss of shit people that they would hang out. Because it was always, like, they always would, any 
my mother and my sister are both deceased and it feels awful to say this, but I, I no longer cringe when the phone rings because mm. <laughs> you would get calls and it would be like, hey, can you go down, there's a boat and this, can you help me get it for this guy? And then he's going to give you, and I'm like, what, what do you do? What is this? Like, what is this weird thing? You know? Um, so yeah, it's just much, much better to not have to deal with them. What was your mom like? My mother, I feel bad for my mother cause she was horribly abused by her mother. Um, but was a lifelong pill popper. Mm. And it, like, if you, when you were a kid, if it was like, I have a headache, take this. And then you're like passed out for three days cause you're a muscle relaxer. <laughs> um, but she, she had a major, um, she was cheating on my dad with this dude in prison. And then, uh, I was living in the UK. She took out a 10 grand loan in my name and gave it to him, um, which I'm still paying off. And, uh, and then just like, it was just a mess. So mm. then this guy dumped her and she tried to kill herself and she was like dead for three days and had definitely had like cognitive How issues, did she do it? uh, pills in a really sleazy motel. Mm. Um, and had just like cognitive issues after that and never really recovered. And then especially after my sister died, she was just like a mess. Like not, had, were they close? Oh, ridiculously like super codependent. Mm. Nobody else understands what, we, what else, what we have, like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, everyone else is an asshole like and they also would never do anything right like everything was always under the table they just kind of assumed everybody was gaming everything right so that's how they would do everything Mm -hmm. and it was like if you just did this the right way the first time it would have been way less work and you would you know um like my dad when when they got divorced my dad moved out and lived in a shitty apartment and he worked three jobs and he saved up money bought a condo he was like literally cleaning toilets at a hotel at night. Mm-hmm. And they were like, your father's got money somewhere. And you get, I'm like, he just worked job like that. He doesn't, you know, right. it was that kind of thing. So like they thought that he was on the grift. Yeah. Drifting. Or like he is, had is like, on the grift, uh, the on the grift terminology, yeah, he's a grifter. <laughs> um, or he had like money stashed away, hidden from, you know, like that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so like they'd constantly call me for money and that kind of thing. But um, yeah. And then my mother in like the last year of her life was basically homeless. So we let her live with us. And it was just like, it was just constant like scumbags, you know, calling all the time, which I've been trying to talk about on stage and people shut down immediately. But some which of it was funny. Of it? After she died, I kept her phone active for like a month because I'm like, People that I grew up with, parent, like people in my car that I don't know right. to think of to let them know. So I'll keep it uh, active. But it was just phone messages from these people. Like the, the day after she died, there was a message that went, uh, Hazel, I lost my ID. You got to come get this cat. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, what? And I'm like, Googling is like, get this cat, like some drug link. Like, I have no idea. And I'm like, no, I think this guy just thinks you need an ID for a cat. I have no idea. And there was one that was like, I heard you died. Call me back. <laughs> that kind of stuff where I'm just like, what? Did you do anything about either of these? No. Although one woman, my mother was doing, my mother worked in medical billing, actually, um, which is funny because uh, she was working for a place uh, like part-time sort of the last two years that she was alive and her and this woman had been texting about like selling drug, like getting like painkiller drugs. And so this woman, they had planned some, they were going to sell a big bunch of them to some guy and uh, my mother died. So this woman was like, I haven't heard from you. Where are you? Where are you? And like texting all the time. So then, uh, (laughs) then I, I was like, I just finally texted this woman back and I'm like, Hazel's dead. 
and who is this? And then I was just like, don't worry about it. And then I knew this woman panicked because she was like, I'm getting nervous. Like, so like three days later, this woman calls me on my landline and uh, was like, Hey, I used to work with your mom. Uh, yeah. How you doing? Like, I was just saying, I haven't heard from her in a while. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you. She passed away and she started freaking out. And then it's like screaming and crying. And she goes, do you know where her phone is? <laughs> and I went, Oh, the police took it. They, yeah, they took everything. And she goes, Oh, <laughs> just like hung up. And I was like, screw you. <laughs> and how did your mom die? Did you already say? Oh, she killed herself. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. How? Uh, pills. Okay. But, okay. So she had tried that in a sleazy motel. And yeah. then she was successful later on. Yeah. About 10 years later. Yeah. Also in a sleazy motel? No, in my house. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. That was not fun. Did you find her? I did. Yeah. That was unpleasant. Did you know that she was suicidal? Was she like suicidal for 10 years, basically? Um, it was hard to tell with her. Um, she was definitely not ever gonna rebound. Mm. And we were like, we'll help you get better. And, and she got, she used to hang out at this really shitty bar with just the worst people. And they had this like, you just get on disability, like all the freaking the black people get on it, like that kind of weird mentality. Yeah. So if I have an addict friend who yeah. may or may not currently be on disability. Yeah. And and I was like, getting on disability is very difficult. Like I literally work with this all the time. I'm like, yeah. there are things that can help you. She's like, I'm just gonna get on disability, and then obviously didn't. And uh, and then that was like kind of a final straw, I think, for. Her, but it, it was hard to tell. Like I got her into like a like a management program, and she just wouldn't. She was not engaged in any of that stuff. Right. So it's like you can't really do much else. So I wasn't like on suicide watch for her, but um, I also wasn't surprised. And it was pills. Oh yeah, yeah, oxycons a lot so you just found her and she was unresponsive she was sleeping so she would often like i'm just gonna go to bed i'm like cool um so like she she was like oh i don't need dinner i'm gonna go to bed so i'm like fine so it was like the you know we got up the next morning went to work and then i came home and i was like she thinks she's still up there and she was it looked like she was asleep Mm -hmm. basically which was probably the best case scenario for her although the worst thing was i was like i knew I won't get into the details. We'll probably get grossed out. Um, That's okay. She had a a, a thing. Uh, she had pooling, which happens when people die. Their their blood stops circulating, mm-hmm. so they get a bruise on where they were lying. So like her whole side was bruised. So it's like I kind of knew, but um, but I just kind of grabbed her shoulder, and w- when you first die, your muscles get like rigor mortis, mortis yeah. and it was it it, it was the like. I can't even explain how tight the muscle is. Like it not, it doesn't feel normal. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if someone's making a, a muscle, it's like that, but like a thousand times yeah. tighter. So I was like, Oh yeah, I know. And I, you know, and then I, you know, I called the police and whatever and I, I was fine. Um, but like, I felt mostly bad for my wife cause she's never seen a dead body and she's like, Hazel, Hazel likes it. And I'm like, Oh, this is awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and they came and took her out of there and that was, that was that. <laughs> You said that your wife had never seen a dead body before, had you? No. Oh, yeah, I had. Uh, do tell. <laughs> uh, I found my neighbor once when I was a kid, uh. Eddie Murphy. It was his, he was an old guy from Maine. So not the my, Eddie Murphy? Not the Eddie Murphy. Okay. This was an old white guy from Maine who was a train conductor. Mm-hmm. And he was really weird. He lived in this big Victorian <laughs> house and had like 20 dogs. And uh, whenever you'd see him, he'd always go, been watching the BBC? 
<laughs> and have no idea what it meant. I was like, this is the weirdest thing to ask children. And uh, we hadn't seen him in a while. And, and it was Thanksgiving. And my dad and I went over to check on him. And he was dead in his bed. And his dogs were all dead. And it was horrific. His dogs were dead. Oh, because yeah. he had it had been a while. I think and so. And also, <clears throat> listen, people who are going to tweet me. Yes, I had more of a reaction to hearing all the dogs were dead. Than no, I have the dead. same way. Yeah, I'm the same way. Because I'm like, yeah, people die. Dogs right. should live forever. They're sweet. They're, they're wonderful. <laughs> they're so innocent. Yeah, yeah. They've done nothing to deserve yeah. this. So they had starved to death? I think so, yeah. And he was old, though. Yeah, he was. Like natural causes? Uh, yeah, he had to be in his 80s. Um, yeah, so that was not fun. And then when I worked at a radio station in Boston, we had a homeless guy. It was in a really bad part of town. And uh, we had this, it was in a big old bank building. And he had come in one night to sleep on the stairs and just died on the stairs. So we were on the morning show, so we'd get there at like four. And uh, the the program director wouldn't let us call the police for like three days, and he was like, this, "This guy's not dead. The guy's not dead." <laughs> and he came, and we're like, "This guy is dead." And I remember this kid at work goes, "He smell. He's dead." He goes, "No, he's homeless." <laughs> and then we're like, "He's dead. No, he's just drunk." And so, uh, this, what show was this? It was uh, at a station called WFNX, uh-huh. and I worked in the morning show, and. Uh, this kid, this kid I worked on the show with that had enough, like a day three, and he just kicked the body, and it went like, <laughs> and it was, and then the guy's like, all right, fine, he's dead. <laughs> and so he called the cops, and the cops show up, and they're like, what the hell? Why is this guy been here for three days? And they take the program director into his office, and they're just yelling at this guy, and they come out, and he goes, nobody tells anyone about this. Nobody mentions this. Nobody. And then, uh, of course, they went right on the air and they were like, we just found a dead guy. And they, Everybody's suspended. Everybody. And uh, yeah, that was fun. What did you do on the show? I was I wrote all the news segments and would just like write. I was like an assistant producer mm-hmm. or something um, when I was in college. Where did you go to college? I went to Northeastern University. Mm-hmm. Which Boston. is where? It's in Boston. Um, I... In hindsight, should have gone away <laughs> to school, but I was just like, hey, I'm staying here and I have a band and hey, you know, um, learned almost nothing. There. What did you major in? Um, I started pre-med and then very quickly stopped that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was a communications ma- ma- uh, major for speech and rhetoric. And um, Michael Dukakis was one of my teachers. <laughs> and uh, I was like, that it's very difficult to be taught by someone who's been parodied by John Lovitz on television. <laughs> um, and then I switched to corporate communications, which is basically like you go into a corporation, you charge them a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And basically in corporate speak, right? Don't be an asshole <laughs> in a 40 page report. Uh-huh. And I was like, this seems like a weird scam. So, yeah. I, and then I switched to TV, radio and cinema studies, with mm. a journalism minor. I feel like you should write a book. I would love to write a book. I started one a few years ago. I started writing like a weird memoir type mm-hmm. book of stories and then just never. And then I, and then I wrote most of a novel <laughs> that I just never did anything with. Cause I get the thing where I'm like, no one cares about this. It's really hard to write without deadlines. I think. Yeah. Like someone who's the people who sit down. Well, if you wrote most of a novel, I mean, that's really good. I feel like you should finish it. Yeah. I will. I wrote, I pitched a show last year that the network liked and i wrote the i wrote 13 episodes of it because i was like i just gotta write the whole thing <laughs> and then they were like this is too ambitious and then i was like well, i guess i'll just turn it into a book did it involve time travel like what was too ambitious no about it? so the story of this was i'm obsessed with flea market people because it's like a whole weird subgenre yeah. of people so it was sort of like uh cloak and dagger um combined with storage wars so mm-hmm. the premise was this guy you know, buys storage lockers and stuff, and he sells video games at 
flea markets. And in one of the lockers, he gets what he thinks is a video game, but it's actually a Soviet era weapon. Oh, cool. And it gets activated. So then he has to like go on the run in the flea market underground <laughs> with people who like um, to, to sort of get to Canada is the idea because mm-hmm. his buddy told him that Canada has the best army in the world. And we'll protect him. And it just gets really weird. There's like an alien and, and I went off. The Is that where it. it got too ambitious? I think so. Okay. And then I, another show I pitched them that they liked and I wrote and they, it was too ambitious was it was, um, I wanted to do an anthology show. So the idea I had was if you combined quantum leap with a video store, so it took place in the future. I called it three day rental and you could rent someone's life for three days. Oh, that's from the so past. cool. I love that. And I was this like, is real amazing stories. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We you talked could about do, that when yeah. I was on your show. It's like, you could do whatever you want with that. Yeah. And they were like, eh. <laughs> so I was like, All what right. is it that they want? I don't know. I never know what people want. I'm just always like, well, they, they're talking to me. And I want to know what, who this network is. So write it down. <laughs> okay. Um, Ken is currently, oh no, it's, it's just, you just pull the cap off. The cap it seems off. like a twisty, but it's yeah. not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Prestigious. It was, I was surprised. I mean, not as prestigious as BBC. No, but- and I hadn't been watching it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm always, like, I always still feel like I'm literally just some dumb, weird kid from Boston. Mm-hmm. So why is the fact I'm even out here, even though I've been coming out here for 10 years and like, I, is bizarre right. but, but like getting a meeting with this network did you you must have made that happen yourself they came to me they did they based on your me. show yeah they were like hey we really like your show and heard you on these things and like and so they called me and like my wife again always she's like you're such an asshole stuff just like falls in your lap and like i like i did a uh i did a thing for tbs earlier this year and they literally just called me out of nowhere what was sure. it it was like this branded content thing where they they did like a reality show for the web for me and mm-hmm. followed me around for like two weeks and like had me working on a set in boston and then i did it at new york comedy festival and then that's really cool i did an episode of this show called stand up sit down where like you watch another comic set and then you like talk about it for like an mm-hmm. hour um but that again was just like hey i'm like okay that's really great though it was cool I, like i'm grateful for anything so I this get. network contacted you because they heard your show and they wanted to see if they could develop something with you yeah but weirdly wanted a, a scripted show mm-hmm. which is not i mean i can do that i like doing that but right. it's not what my show is. yeah it's like i would think they would maybe want to turn tv guidance counselor into something yeah and i've had people come to me about that too um, and pitched like a few things like that. And then they've just never gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they were like specifically wanted a scripted show. And you do TV guidance counselor live sometimes. Yeah. That's another thing. Like just people asked me. So like uh, New York Comic Con asked me for the first one and I, I convinced Amy Sedaris to do it. Oh, wow. And, uh, who's the best? Like she's the nice, she's the best. Like, she invited me to the premiere of her show that uh, at home last year uh-huh. or in the fall. And uh, I went, I was just like, I have no business being here. Like Todd Oldham's here. Uh-huh. Sarah Jessica Parker's here. Michael Stipe is here. And just me. Like there wasn't the only people there. Right. But I, just, I was like, <laughs> so I was like, I have no, I have no business being at this. Like, there's like the AP taking photos here. Like right. there's no reason for me to be at this thing. Um, yeah. So, so uh, I do some live ones and I do them when a lot of comic cons have me do them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I end up running a lot of like panels and stuff at comic cons, which is fun. Um, Cause I also have seen, I've been going to conventions for 30 years so i've seen so many bad panels so like selfishly i'm just like i just want to see a good panel what yes i have been on bad panels yeah what do you feel like makes for as the moderator what makes for a good panel versus bad uh you need someone who knows 
something. Because normally they just have some idiot who's like, oh, I have a lot of Instagram followers. Yeah, yeah. Or just like Chris Farleying the whole thing. Like yeah. they have no idea why they're there. Mm-hmm. So like someone who is at least done a little bit of research, uh, someone who will p- police things. Mm-hmm. So like moderator, you have to be bad cop a little bit because you get so many people who would just stand up and not ask a question, just make like a statement for five minutes. <laughs> so like, I have no problem being like, that's not a question. We know, you know, a lot of stuff, please sit down. Cause right. like the person appreciates it. Cause they don't want to be an asshole. Cause yeah. the fans are there. So like, I don't mind doing that. And then also like, you have to be able to police. Cause like, you'll inevitably get that one person's like, can I take a selfie? <laughs> and then like, everybody wants to come on right. stage. Do that, so I have to be like, no, <laughs> cause like that kind of stuff and just keeping it on time and yeah. um, just making sure it's interesting or not, not asking them the same stuff that they have the, the sort of road answers to, right. unless they want it. Like you always at least ask them first, you know, mm-hmm. some people are like, Oh, I have a story about this. So please ask me about this, which actually isn't that often. Right. And I don't like those as much because it's boring for me. Right. <laughs> selfishly. Um, okay. I need to ask about what you were doing in England and then also about the band, but let's just go back to, um, all the deaths. Okay. First. Fantastic. So here's, are you in therapy or have you ever been oh, in therapy? Oh yeah. 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 Both. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that would make sense if yeah. you are that you have been. Are you currently in therapy? Yeah. Um, okay. I'm not a therapist <laughs> and I don't want to pick at any emotional scabs that are so, that are like so, so thick and covering the wound <laughs> that I can't even see that you've been hurt. He, he's but, hemorrhaging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I feel like you, I feel like you're good. So oh, yeah, I don't mind. Um, here's what I, a lay person have noticed is that when you're talking about this, there truly seems to be no emotion. Pa- yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there, are you like, do you, what's that about? Uh, that I don't know, to be honest with you, that I, I've always, I'm the, I'm a person, I'm great if you're in a crisis. Like, I'm like, okay, here's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I don't seek it out. Like, some people go that way. Right. But like um, you're not an EMT. Yeah, yeah. Or create chaos because you like to be able to manage it. Right. But just as a kid, I constantly had to be the adult. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm able to sort of shut that stuff down a little bit. I also am way too empathetic and I'm way too fix. I like I dwell on stuff. Mm. So I think my brain broke in the way that it shut down all that stuff as just a survival thing. Right. And I don't really tap into it very easily. Um, growing up, I was very, it was very easy to tap into anger. That's, mm. that's, that's one of the easiest ones to, to yeah. the easiest wells yeah. to drill. Broke someone's fingers one yeah. by one. Um, but, uh, I think that's partly why I was so into music and movies and TV. Cause mm. it, it's like a, a, like a shortcut to emotions. Right. Um, and it still kind of is like I'll watch Babe Pig in the City and cry my eyes out you know, <laughs> when Flea League's little oh, uh, but it, or like with do- like my dogs I'm nuts about like my therapist is always like most people would be lucky to be your dog like, I'm like oh I feel so bad like I let him down <laughs> like that yeah. kind of stuff. You um, have how many dogs? Three. And they're one's a poodle, right? Yeah, Teddy's a standard poodle, mm-hmm. and uh, Larry is the mistake, uh, mistake accident. He's a labradoodle, uh-huh. <laughs> he's the puppy, and then yeah, Petey is a is a Wheaton Terrier mm-hmm. mixed with a golden retriever. Oh, um, but yeah, so so I definitely, and I feel like nothing for my family. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. Like when I when I think about them, they feel like coworkers mm-hmm. or like old roommates. And every single member of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really weird to me when people are like, 
oh my grandmother i'm gonna love her something i'm like really like it's <laughs> I, like i can't even understand it yeah. i don't like hate them mm-hmm. there's just no there's nothing no emotion yeah it's very very odd i mean probably for the best mm-hmm. <laughs> but just like or like when like my dad's still alive and like occasionally i'll i'll be like hey remember you used to take me to comic conventions that was like really like a nice thing oh i hated that shit you know, it'll be like, those weirdos. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm not even going to try. So, you know, it's like a very, I, I don't know why that is, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like it's been a um, a hindrance. Does your, hi, um, this is uh, over overreaching question. Does your therapist <laughs> try to get you to tap into the pain? Um, Not really. Um she doesn't seem to think it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, cause everyone's like, Oh, if you don't address that, it's going to explode. Or like, right. you know, like when my mom died or when my sister died, they'd be like, you're just going to hit you one day. It's been like 10 years. Since yeah. It, yeah. Like it's just not right. like it's, um, and also death never really bothered me very much because I'm just like, yeah, that happens. You know? Um, okay. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, with you. Yeah. Um, not in like a, I'm a murderer way, but right. just in like a way that I'm like, oh, why? Yeah. You know, just like, yeah, you know, people are here and then they're right. not and, you know, you have good memories of them. And, I, and I've definitely developed an outlook of that Shakespeare, nothing's good or bad, but thinking makes it so kind yes. of thing where I'm I like, that line. yeah, I'm like, you know, it's, it's it, everything I like about myself and where I am now and everything I dislike about myself and where I am now are the result of the same exact set of circumstances mm-hmm. and you can't parse them out. And, and so I've kind of developed a, like a, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Then. Right. But I'm sure it's not normal or healthy, but I'm definitely not like, like robotic with that stuff. Right. Um, right. Well, if you describe yourself as someone who's very empathetic, then you're not, it sounds like you're not that shut down. Yeah. I mean, I, like I feel bad that I can't help everybody, mm-hmm. but I'm at the same time, like my mother was like that, but she was gullible. Like right. she would be like, well, she would get taken advantage of all the time. And I'm definitely not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm the kind of person, if a homeless person asks me that are like, oh, I'm starving. I'm like, oh, let, uh, let's go buy you lunch. And if they're like, oh, and I'm just like, fuck off, you know, cause I'm like, cause so it'll be like both of those things where I'm like, oh, you're a liar, you know? Right. Um, like if someone legitimately needs help, like I want to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really is that edict, which I learned from just the 10 of us, weirdly, <laughs> uh, of like, people need to be better off for having known you. There's like this episode where coach Lubbock is like, feels like no one's better for him being around. And he's like calling people. Uh-huh. But I remember as a kid that hit me and I'm like, yeah, it's almost like a do no harm. Like just people need to be better right. for even if it's right. small, you know? Um, so that's kind of what I try to do. I did not know that was from just the 10 of us. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous that that's what that's from. No, I love it. I love it. It's like sort of, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. It's very simple. Like, I'm not like you need to do a huge thing. It's just like someone they're better off for whatever reason, even right. if it's not huge. So what were you doing in England? I was, so I suffered from horrific depression as a kid um as you would imagine and when i was like 19 it got really bad again and i was like this is the war like I'm were no you suicidal way. oh yeah oh i've made i made attempts as, child, as a oh, child how um uh when i was five years old oh my <laughs> word i tried to i tried to elliot smith myself um which i have a little scar from still um which uh oh, actually can't, i can't see it oh uh, there you go you see that little oh yeah that thing that looks like a tiny little mole almost yeah yeah. yeah. um 
when you're five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, With a knife? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I just, I felt like the weirdest thing was I felt like when people describe how they feel as like a trans person, where mm-hmm. they're like, I was, I knew I was man, but I felt wrong. I felt, I kind of felt that way as a kid with like being alive. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like yeah. it just fell out of phase or like something. Um, and, uh, and it was just way too just uh, empathetic, like way too sensitive. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and, but you understood what death was at five. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I had like family members <clears throat> die and had seen every movie on earth. At um, five. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I, I slept maybe two hours a night when I was a kid, mm-hmm. which was not helpful, but I, so I watched <laughs> everything and read all the time and I read really early. Um, yeah. So, so when I was 19, it was like probably the worst that had been since then. And I was like, I, not going to kill myself right now. Let me just throw a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. And so I just did a semester abroad in England because they spoke English and because I loved the young ones. <laughs> and it was the best thing I ever did. Like, save my life. Like, I went there, didn't know a soul, made a ton of amazing friends, got a job, you know, lived there for a what year. Was your job? Uh, I worked for the Cartoon Network uh, doing um, scheduling. It's where I met my wife. She sat next to me at work. Um, and it really made me go. It, Part of it was I got away from my family, which was good. And part of it was like, oh, I can, you know, throw me into the water and I'm not going to drown, which was helpful. Um, and and also I just really liked England. Like it was all the music I liked and, you know, the movies and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that I lived there in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. That's where I started doing stand-up and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So how long were you there? I think in total it was close to two years, but with like some time in between. And how did you stay? Because you, you married your wife there? No, no. I got a thing that they don't have anymore because after the Iraq war, the U.S. was kicked out of this program. But it was a program called BUNAC. And um, within a year of graduating college, you could get a visa for, I think, 12 months um, for a bunch of different countries. So I got that and was able to live there for then. And then we didn't get married till I came back. Mm-hmm. Did How's your depression now? It's it's much better now. So I was always kind of not against medication, but like I'd been on medication when I was like 17 for a very short period and mm-hmm. hated it. Um, so I went back on meds like maybe six years ago and it was very, very helpful. What'd you go on? Uh, serotonin, which is like a serotonin. Uh, I always describe it like I'm not zombed out. Like, mm-hmm. I, like you know the crane games, the toy crane yes. games? So the, <laughs> this analogy will make no sense. But uh, if my depression was one of those crane games and like some trigger that would set you off is like putting a quarter in the game. Uh-huh. In the past, the crane would go down and just get stuck. Like just not come back <laughs> yeah. up, just being all the toys. Uh-huh. Um, and then for most people, what it should do is like grab that rabbit and throw it out and you look at it and then you move on. Right. But with the medication, it felt like the crane goes down and just can't grab anything. Mm-hmm. So That's you're nice. kind of a, you know aware of it. So yeah, that was very helpful. Um, and I started going back. I started doing actual therapy, mm-hmm. um, which has been helpful. Um, and so I, I get bummed out a lot now um, and feel bad often. Right. <laughs> but I'm not super depressed. Right. Did did your parents or did anyone like get treatment for you when you were five and stabbed yourself? Um, I was hospitalized, but they just because didn't... the cut was so bad, or no, because they were like, "Why'd you do this?" And then right. I had to go to th- I, I like had to go to therapy for like a couple of years, and but you know it was like was the cut deep? It wasn't. It was as deep as I could get it. I was mm-hmm. little, so yeah. I was like, it couldn't do much. It just it seemed to make sense at the time. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Um, but uh, 
so I had like a therapist who just, I don't want to say I was smarter than him, but like, you probably were maybe, but he would be like, play with these dolls and then I'll see what you, you know, I'm like, no, nobody touched me. Right. Like nothing. Like, it's just not, it, I, it's a chemical thing, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, and also my parents probably suffer from the same thing and don't regulate it. So you inherit their sort of bad nurture with it. Right. And they also just didn't get it. Like, I, like I remember being 17 and talking to my mother about how depressed I was and she's like, you're such a happy kid. And I'm like, I tried to kill myself when I was actually like, Oh, you know, like just, they just didn't yeah. don't get it. So, and what bands were you in? I was in a band called 30 seconds over Tokyo. Mm-hmm. We started with like dropkick Murphys and, uh, the unseen and the showcase showdown. And what'd you play? I sang. Oh, that's right. Yeah. If, if you can call it that. How, do you miss it? Um, I, I'm not a musician and I wish that I was because I, um, Although the funny thing was, although I love punk rock, I was like into like Prince and soul music, like like actual music that I just don't have the capability to do. Right. Um, so I sometimes miss it because it's a completely different feeling than doing stand up. But I don't miss like we toured a bunch when I was like sixteen and seventeen, mm. and um, I was having panic and just like wasn't that. What, I have retroactive fun on that, um, and I liked making records which i've totally been able to scratch that itch with podcasts mm. and like putting it out because i'm like here's a thing it's not yeah. just out in the ether so i think i've been able to find the things that i liked out of it but at the same time like it's still sort of traumatic because like the three other guys I was in the band with it was probably awful to be around and like two like one hasn't talked to me in like 20 years well, what'd um, you do? <laughs> i think it was just probably like like an asshole mm-hmm. or like was bullying or something i don't think anything too bad but just was probably you know like i was miserable and angry and confused and 18 right. you know um and they were all like going away to college and doing like normal kid things and i was like this miserable ball of whatever um so like that stuff i still feel bad about um so i don't miss that but i liked being part of like it was I, again my wife reminds me how, how spoiled i am like i could we, when I was 16, we'd just walk into any club in Boston. You don't have to pay to go to shows. Mm-hmm. And like, I saw so many cool, and I didn't have any money, but I saw like tons of amazing shows. And you just take that stuff for granted. Um, and got to meet a bunch of people. And, you know, like I got to meet Joe Strummer and like, you know, just like that stuff was amazing. Right. Um, so I don't miss that as much. It's kind of crazy that you were doing that at such a young age. Oh, it's insane. Like it, it, and when I think about it, I get like anxiety on behalf of my parents. <laughs> Cause like we'd literally drive to Philly at like 16 right. and play shows and be at like CBG, like bad areas. Mm. And, and, uh, and then like come home Sunday night and they'd be like, Oh, where you been? You know, it was just, it was crazy. Right. But I was like paying for my own phone line and like booking shows and talking to agents and like making merch or like, just, what label were you guys on? We almost put out a record with a label called outsider that I think was in long beach. And, um, Ken Casey from dropkick Murphy started a label called flat records. And we put out our album on that and we recorded a second record and we were shopping it around and had some, some big labels interested in it. And then we broke up. Mm. Um, so it never came out, but we, and we put out a bunch of singles on some smaller labels. Mm. Oh, that's super cool. All right, let's do just me or everyone. But first, I want to tell you guys I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. Different reward levels, bonus episodes, etc. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Okay. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? 
Okay, so this is where people uh, tweet in with things that they do and they wonder, or they think and they wonder, is it just me just or me. is it everyone? I yeah. have to say I'm very jealous of your musical uh, um, accompaniment. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, a listener, friend, fan named Tom Rapp who goes by Trap Dog, and he does all of these jingles and he's the best. He's yeah. the nicest guy and he's super creative and they're a huge part of the show, I think. Thank you. I would agree. Uh, okay. Bex says, I often think about the fact that what someone like Beyonce or Oprah might spend on a nice meal out could literally wipe out all of my personal debt and change my life entirely. Um, I used to think about that a lot. And now I don't so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is odd how. But that sounds like it's more like like a screw them. Right. Like they could give me, but they, yeah. could, they, they couldn't do that for everybody. Right. Um, there's a balance there. I think, yeah. I think I've, I've not saying Bex is immature. <laughs> I'm just saying that I've matured to the level where I realized that that's not how, <laughs> that's how not the how works. the world works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, JMO fan says, when someone says the word cowlick, I picture a cow licking their head. Yeah. I do too. I thought that's actually where it comes from. That's where it comes from. Okay. So he's like, is it just me? Or when you hear a word, do you picture exactly what it is? Yeah, that is what it is. <laughs> yeah. What else? What does he think it is? I don't know. I had a friend who called it, and she had one, and she called it a colic, which is what I thought it was for a long time. She I thought it was called accent. a colic. No, she just, I think she just missed pronounced the word oh. she just had a costa mesa accent okay colic <laughs> and they oh maybe that is what she was saying <laughs> oh, yeah, <colic. laughs> oh my god maybe that is what it was i think i thought she just thought it was colic oh if we're gonna talk accents d-o-n-d-w-a-n are those two different words different sounding words to you not in boston no don they're okay because yeah. to me they're the same as well Dawn. <laughs> i don't jeff do them Don, Don Draper, Morning Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. It's different than, yeah. to me. But if you, if you had your natural Philly accent, would you go Dawn? Or would it be like, Dean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Water. <laughs> Yo, Don, we're going up to shore. Yo, Don. Yo, Don, you want to wake up? We're getting up early before dawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really like a really pronounced W. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I never knew you when you... Is that how you used to speak? A little bit. And my family was just in town. And after four or five days then, with them, I was doing a lot of dem dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like bitch and Camaro by the uh, yeah, dead milkman. <laughs> exactly. Lee Brun says, when trimming my dog's toenails, I am so worried about cutting them too short, so I end up leaving them too long. Yeah. Yes. This is when I... When I used to trim my dog's toenails... This is what I did. However, it makes me so uncomfortable. I don't even do it anymore. No, you just have the someone do that. Yes. You cut the quick on those things. You're, have you done that before? No. When I was a kid and we had dogs mm. and I'm like, never again. Yeah. I'm yeah. so afraid of that. We even bought this like. The know, Dremel like, thing? Just, sands it down? No, no. It's like a, it's a, like a, a powder that, that stops bleeding, like a styptic oh, pencil, but yeah, it's a yeah. powder thing. Yeah. But I just don't even mess with it at all no, anymore. No, I, But I think sometimes if they're walking on sidewalk or pavement enough, you don't really need like that yeah, sort of keeps it down. filed down anyway. But That's yeah. what I tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just, for the first time in a really long time, cut my son's fingernails um, because that I've been afraid to do. Yeah. Was he scratching himself? 
period, not lately, but sometimes he, he would, when he was younger, and he's still very young, but when he was younger, he would like scratch himself horribly. And I felt terrible, but he just won't hold still enough. And I'm yeah. like, I can't risk it. Their fingers are so tiny. Right. Like, you don't want to be like, mom, why do I have nine fingers? Yeah. I was trying. I know. But what I've recently really, you'll appreciate this. So I've recently introduced him to Sesame Street. Excellent. There's this like big push among LA baby people and maybe everywhere of like, don't show your kids screens. Of I'm not sure why, but don't show your kids screens. So for the most part, I haven't done a lot of screen time. He's 13 months old now, screen time. However, he just had a really bad ear infection. He had 104 fever. He was miserable. Um, and he was crying and like couldn't be consoled in my lap. So I put Sesame Street on my phone and it's like, this is way after my time. There's yeah. whole new songs and everything. Um, but he, he, it totally calmed him down and he was engaged with it. So now we've been watching it a lot. Um, and it's very sweet. Like he'll just, he wants to snuggle in my lap and yeah. we get a blanket and we watch it. But I have to give him these liquid antibiotics every morning and evening and he does not want to take them. But I realized if I show him Sesame street while he's sitting in his high chair, then I can give it to him. And he's just like, doesn't oh. notice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So then I thought, let's see how far I can push this. And I went and I got the little, <laughs> little baby nail scissors and i was able to clip his nails while he watched he was aware of it he was actually like watching his nails while i did it but he yeah. let me um that's why he was in full makeup when i came in today yeah, exactly. <laughs> wig and hair and everything yeah. i mean uh, uh, given what i've discussed this podcast i don't know if people will be like oh ken's not a complete mess <laughs> but i will say that i think shows like sesame street and mr rogers and even stuff like the twilight zone made me a better person mm -hmm. and like that is good. Like, I think if you show them the right screens and the right things and right. In moderation, it's, it's good. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it is interesting how he just becomes kind of fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. And instead of then crawling around and playing, he's just sitting there watching, but also he's not feeling well. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm just thankful that I have that tool right yeah. now because it's made giving him the medicine a lot easier. Yeah. Sunlit Cactus says, I want a dating app, but instead of having it be about finding a guy, it's to find people who are into the same reality shows as me so we can talk about it at length with no judgment. Hashtag after the final rose. Um, I think that there, I know that she's not specifically asking, like really asking for this, but I think that there have been apps that are supposed to connect you with like-minded fans. Isn't that what message boards were? I don't, they don't even have them now, right? I don't even think I people think on have message Reddit. boards. Or maybe like a Facebook group or something. Yeah. Isn't that what that is? Yeah. I, I know what, I know what you mean though, Sound Like Cactus. Like, like a person in real life to meet up with. Oh, maybe. Is that what yeah. she means? Like a like swipe right on this or yeah, something. Yeah, we can go talk about The Bachelor. I'm yeah. so glad that I, have not had to date in the age of those things. Yes. I don't know how that I'm works. so I'm I'm so curious about them though even though I'm married I'm like I wonder who I'd match with. <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, same, yeah. Right. I mean not I'm not saying I'd do it, but I'm just saying yeah. I have curiosity about how it all works. Yeah, you want to be plugged into the algorithm. <laughs> Demi in Cordova says, "Okay, look, I did a solo show on Monday, which if go listen to it, it was really fun. Uh last Monday, I'm repurposing this JMO. Oh, wait, no, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. We've done this one before, but I, I feel like we haven't plumbed the depths fully. Okay. It's going to be an onslaught of me. Sometimes got to go number two. This is Demi and Cordova, but I'm not near a bathroom. Hold so long that I forget to use bathroom when it's available. Have to go number two again and bathroom unavailable. How do you How, forget? That's what, that was what I was wondering. 
That's no, that's you physically cannot forget. Right, it becomes more and more insistent. Yeah, it does. You don't hit like a breaking point where it just goes. Your body doesn't reabsorb it. Right, like it's not just like I'll just do it later. Yeah, I don't understand that. She may need to go to a doctor. Maybe she's going and it's not knowing. It's a guy, and maybe he needs to go to a doctor. (laughs) I've never had that happen. No, me neither. And that was actually. Like I've had panic attacks about that growing up where you're like, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom and there's no bathroom. <laughs> I used to carry, when I was in college, I used to carry a suit coat and a tie in my backpack because mm-hmm. in Boston, I could you could just walk into an office building or a hotel and use the bathroom if you didn't look like you weren't supposed to be there. Right. So I would just so I could use the bathroom. That's so smart. Mr. Boinkity says, I cannot take off my pants unless I step on part of the pants cuff so that my feet can get through the cuff. The only other way would be to sit down, bend over to take off the pants. No way I'm doing that. I just like kind of kick them off. Yeah. I think his pants are too small. Maybe. Yeah. They, they just kind of fall off. Like right. You undo your belt and they just kind of just kick them off. Yeah. Unless he's wearing leggings. Stretchy. Right. <laughs> Some kind of stretchy skinny jeans. I take my heel out of the stirrup. <laughs> Uh, oh, be- it's Bex again. Bex from the um, Beyonce and Oprah JMO. Whilst reading a novel, mentally cast the actors who would play the characters in the movie version of the book. Yeah. Actually, I don't do this. That's the best advice someone ever gave me about pitching shows is that executives have no imagination. Mm-hmm. So tell them what actor is playing each part, even if it's not like a living actor or someone that would actually do it just because they can't picture it otherwise. That's smart. If I'm pitching like a, a talk show, should I also do that? Yeah. Be <laughs> be like, like the part of me would be played by so-and-so, but also me. I'm Gordon Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Reed, it was so delightful getting to know you more. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I feel like there's like hours more of fascinating, curious stuff about you. I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell everyone where they can find everything about you uh i'm at iCanRead.com. the letter i k-e-n-r-e-i-d.com uh the show is tvguidancecounselor.com you can also just search tv guidance counselor on any of the podcast places or facebook twitter at tv guidance is all the all the things um yeah all that stuff's up there great thank you jeff where do we find you you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And follow me at Allison Rosen on Twitter, at Allison Rosen on Instagram. Um, oh, if you like what you're hearing, rate and review and subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Also, just search Allison Rosen. It's your new best friend everywhere. And go to AllisonRosen.com for um, all the other stuff you need, including ringtones and T-shirts, etc. Thank you again. This thank was you so much. Great. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know... And Rose and Show. We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best.